0: is Baseball Tonight, the podcast.
1: This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Tuesday, August 1st, right after the trade deadline, and today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Only working from a studio here, makeshift studio, in Bristol, Connecticut. We're taping this. Rachel Ulrich, who is the baseball editor for ESPN.com. I know I'm going to mess up your title. You probably have some <laughs> special not, title. Yeah, that like Senior something, executive <laughs> vice president of baseball.
2: That part is much less interesting than the baseball editor part. That's the important one, yeah.
1: <laughs> and you all know Tim Kirkchin. Tim? How you doing? Uh, I'm great. We're
3: done with another uh, trade deadline. So that means Buster and Jeff Passon and a few others out there get to finally relax.
2: We're all happier at 6.48 than we were right. at 5.48. You guys <laughs> are
3: the
1: big winners at the trade <laughs> oh, deadline. man, There's just such a sense of relief. All right. So Rachel, from you, uh, you get to you were basically downstairs in the ESPN.com version of the war room. Exactly. Tell me what uh, your impressions of this year's trade deadline, and you can take it back to when guys first started to be flipped, not necessarily just today.
2: Yeah, we really weren't sure what to expect, and I had in my head, you know, vivid memories of last year when it was just all about Soto all the time, and we were all just waiting for this big Padres deal and wasn't really sure a couple of days ago what those big deals were gonna be. So we were super excited that the Mets went all in, made some moves that we could talk about, everybody was excited about. And then I also really loved, I feel like this year way more than last, we got a flurry right at six o'clock, which is always really fun when you're just like constantly seeing them come in, worth fam where it's going. He's leaving the lock, you know, leaving the clubhouse and street clothes. Loved that. So that part was really fun. And
3: it's better now that it ends at six <laughs> o'clock because 25 <laughs> years ago, Randy Johnson got traded at, at, in the morning and our show ended at midnight and we said "All right, Randy Johnson is still a member of the Mariners and instead he's a member of the Houston Astros and that completely blew up everything and now it's 1 o'clock in the morning and we're scrambling so it's
1: much better we're done at 6. Yeah we've learned a lot about that through the years like just hold on hold on the Manny Ramirez deal the No More deal I think were deals that happened after the deadline I remember that trade because I was covering the Yankees at the time for the New York Times and talking with Brian Cashman after that deadline because the big question was whether the Yankees were going to go all into trade form and, and try to intercede. So he winds up at that time going to the Astros who were in the National League as you remember. And so Brian was so happy he went to the other league because otherwise George Steinbrenner would have yelled at him every day <laughs> and he became the biggest Astro the person who rooted against the Astros more than anybody in the world because he didn't want Randy Johnson to be beating the Yankees <laughs> in the in the World Series. All right, so let's do this rapid fire. There's so many great topics to talk about. Uh, Rachel, the Orioles, yes. a team that you love and care about. <laughs> uh, they come down to the deadline and they add a starting pitcher in Jack Flaherty. What'd you think?
2: Yeah, I think it's a great it's a great add for them, and I was excited to see what they what they gave up for. It felt like a really fair trade, but it was a move that they needed to make. I think after last year, I think it was. Disappointing for a lot of folks in Baltimore, but an understandable move to to sell rather than add. But this year they needed to go for it a little bit, and I think Flaherty's a great guy to go in. You know, his peripherals a lot better of late, so. We can pick him as a guy that's going to improve in the second half. And it's it's still hard for me to believe where they are in the standings, but where they are is a place that they should be making a move like this. So you, we'll see if it matters in October.
1: And you saw Kyle Gibson after the game on Monday basically say, hey, if we don't do make a move, we'll be okay. And I, I just shaking my head when I read that. I'm like, no, 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 no. Because <laughs> we had just seen the Orioles over the weekend It does feel like their pitching is on fumes. They needed to add somebody. You get Jack Flaherty, last five starts, 3.03 ERA. His fastball is better. His command is better. Uh, It seemed like for the Orioles, something they had to do, whether it was Flaherty or somebody else.
3: Yeah, no doubt. Now, he stabilizes the rotation, which is very young. And also, because he's so big and strong and has got some of his durability back, he can give them some innings and take a little pressure off of that bullpen, which has worked extremely hard lately
1: clear winners of this deadline, I think we'd all agree, Astros. Tim, what do you think? No no
3: doubt. They got the best pitcher available, Justin Verlander, whose last seven starts, six earned runs in 42 innings. He looks a lot like the guy who won the Cy Young last year for the Astros, and he is so wildly competitive. Now he's got something to shoot for. First team to repeat as world champions since the Yankees in the late 90s, early 2000. That's how Justin Verlander's mind works. You put him in the middle of that rotation and suddenly the Astros and the Orioles to me are the best teams in the American League and I think by October 1st the Astros will be the leader the team to beat in the American League their pitching is really good and their lineup is finally
1: getting healthy and they have the the arrogance competitive arrogance of a championship team they remind me just a couple weeks ago we were around them And talking with Alex Bregman, talking to Jose Altuve, there is an assumption among that group, yeah, we're going to figure that out. And it did remind me of those Yankee teams when I covered, who at times you'd be watching them, you'd be like, they're on fumes. And yet they always assume they would find a way to win in a big game because they have so much experience. And now you add Justin Verlander. I love the fact that, uh, you know, Jim Crane, it feels like is prepared like the Dodgers to try to make big moves. What'd you think?
2: Yeah. Say, I mean, and, and I think what, what Tim said is, is true too. There are, They're also about to get a bunch of guys back off the IL that is going to make them even better, not discounting the moves that they made with Graveman and Verlander coming back to the team via trades. Everything else they're doing is just going to keep improving. I mean, they're always scary, even in second, even when they were in third place in the AL West, they're a scary team, and it's hard to bet against them ending up back on top again.
1: All right, a team on the other end of the spectrum, the New York Mets, and Max Scherzer did an interview with Ken Rosenthal uh, in which he revealed to him that he had a conversation with Billy Epler general manager of the Mets in a paraphrasing here it basically he said that Billy was saying yeah we're not going to go after upper echelon free agents this winter we may not necessarily be uh, his perception was Billy was basically telling him we're not going to necessarily try to compete at the same level next year those were uh, interesting quotes uh, I know that Billy Epler is going to be asked about him you know he's going to push back and say we're we are rebuilding but I I don't think you can get around the fact if you're the Mets, it's a giant step back, Rachel.
2: Yeah. And Buster, I'll, I'll throw it back to you because I'm curious what this means for something you and I have talked a lot about in the last couple of weeks was just the Mets on Otani this, this summer, but this winter, but um, it is, it does feel like it is a step back. It's just such a disappointment. I mean, when we talk about Verlander going to a team where he thought he could win another championship, he thought that was the Mets a couple of months ago. And it's hard to believe that this is where they are now, but I do still have a lot of questions about what this means for them going forward. I think they got a great return. The guys that they're coming back as somebody that our our prospect analyst, Kylie McDaniel, is really excited about. But... There's no getting around the fact that it's just a huge, huge disappointment. Yeah,
3: I'm not sure where their rotation is for next year. They just lost their two best pitchers. To be announced is right. where it is. <laughs> exactly, so they have Kodai Senga and David Peterson. Then they got to really figure out the other three. The farm system got a whole lot better, you're right, but there's not immediate help out of that farm system. And it's not a great free agent year other than Shohei Ohtani. So how they're going to rebuild this team and make it really good again in one year, I'm having a little trouble with that. And I have a little trouble with a Mets team saying, we're going to take a pass on 2024 when the owner just spent
1: $340 million in payroll. I'm not sure that's going to fly very well either. So a lot of times when we have conversations with managers, you'll hear that uh, the rationale behind a decision, you'll give you the explanation. And then when you hear it, you're like, okay, that makes sense. I actually think that what the Mets did last winter was totally reasonable. Mm -hmm. You win 101 games. You add Justin Verlander. You think, you know what, we're going to be pretty good. And they weren't. (laughs) And that's just kind of the way that it played out. And the decision internally last week that they reached was, you know what, here are two choices. We can either uh, chalk up 2023 to being an outlier at just – we were unlucky – Uh, And then just run these guys back one year older, Verlander at 41, insurers are going at age 40, or we can look to make a significant change here. And I think it was totally reasonable that they did that. Is that, what do you think?
2: I, I would think, I mean, I think so. And again, I do think if you, if you think about what the sort of, Going up versus going down of the players they got rid of and the players that they added, like it's it's real. Those were aging pitchers, no matter how great they were. I mean, they were, and let's be honest, they're two future Hall of Famers, but they were arrow down players. And I think everybody that they got back are arrow up. They're guys that people are getting more and more excited about the more they watch them in the lower leagues.
1: And while it might be reasonable, Tim, the fact is it feels like they're 100 miles from where the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies are. Maybe even, as Ward pointed out on the show today, even maybe where the Marlins are.
3: Yeah, I think that was part of all this is that the Mets looked at the Braves and said they are demonstrably better than we are and they're going to be that much better than us next year so how do we get closer to them for 2025 we go get Ronald Acuna Jr.'s little brother literally the we mini go version. add some <laughs> other pieces eventually and the get better for 2025 because we're not going to approach them next year
1: certainly with the way Atlanta is built so think about this number since June 1st of last year when the Braves were 10 and a half games behind the Mets in the standings since that date the Mets are 27 or 28 games behind the Braves in the regular season standings. Like there is a million miles between these two teams. All right. Uh, let's talk about other moves. What do you think of the Phillies, Michael Lorenzen?
3: Uh, I love that. Made the all-star team amazing athlete. They needed another starting pitcher. I thought they might go for an outfielder, uh, you know, maybe Adam Duvall, somebody like that. But if you can add an all-star pitcher who's really versatile and can play left field and hit if you need him to, even though you don't, because he's a pitcher, I really like what they did. Classic Dave Dombrowski. Doesn't <laughs> say a word, lying in the weeds, and comes out and says, all right, we got a guy to to the rotation really good move by the Phillies I think they will be a playoff team and Michael Lorenzen
1: will help them and I think right now they're the biggest threat to the Braves in the National League what do you yeah, think
2: yeah it's it's funny Tim I was just thinking when when our writer Brad Doolittle filed his grade on this story he's he said this is a classic Dave Dombrowski move this is the kind of thing he does every single deadline they have a good rotation they had a good rotation without Lorenzen um they have a much better one now and they know that that's the kind of thing that matters they can get there
1: all right we go through a trade deadline, and the Yankees and the Red Sox basically did nothing. Okay, the Red Sox trading Kike uh, Hernandez away; they the Yankees adding Middleton, a reliever, <laughs> to the part of the team that's the best, which mm-hmm. is the bullpen. Rachel, what would you think?
2: Well, I, I laughed because one of our other editors is a Yankee fan, and poor guy was in there, in the, and as you said, in the war room with us, and we were all just waiting. And I said, is it like more offensive to just trade for Middleton? That might be worse than just doing nothing. Because to your point, Buster, it fills no needs. It's not something that they should have been looking for. I know it sounds like the Yankees were going hard for Bellinger. Bellinger would have been great on that team. When he's unavailable, that changes things. But Middleton, <laughs> this year on this team,
3: Sam? They're hitting 230 as a team. They've scored 151 fewer one runs than the Rangers, and they just struck out 30 times in a two-game period, a first in the history of the Yankees. They so desperately needed to add a middle-of-the-order bat. And you're right, Rachel Bellinger was the perfect guy, but he was off the market a week ago. There wasn't much help there. So, Buster, this is almost a sign to the fans, and
1: we're probably not good enough to make the playoffs anyway, but we're going to bolster a very good bullpen yeah this felt like a parental moment from the yankees front office and i'll you make comparison one time my daughter sydney uh called me she had overslept and she didn't make the airport for a flight leaving for japan and she was in cleveland and she said i'm i missed my flight and i said well good luck (laughs) (laughs) and it feels like to some degree the yankees front office is saying to the players hey you know what you guys are making a lot of money. You got a lot on the back of your baseball card, and you're going to have to figure it out. Well, they got a lot of work to do
3: and a lot of teams to uh, to pass. And, you know, I rarely say this. I don't think they're making the playoffs. I, I think too many teams are in front of them, and I just don't see them scoring enough runs.
2: We talked about this with your story last week, Buster, though. It's like, it's so hard because do you trust the teams ahead of them? It's so crowded for that third wild card spot. They're, right not now, right. they're not great teams. But they're not great teams. So yeah. I don't know that I bet against the Yankees in favor of, you know, the Red Sox or the Angels. Um, It's just, it just really, so it really feels like they do have a chance. They can still make this. And to have not done something that really feels like it helps that case is is hard.
1: Tim, another team in the American League East, I thought had a sneaky good trade deadline, the Toronto Blue Jays, with what they did, uh, and especially building a safety net behind Bo Bichette if that injury is more serious than what the Blue Jays want to tell right.
3: us. Paul DeYoung's going to help. He can hit the ball out of the ballpark. And if Bichette has any issues with that knee, they have a backup shortstop. They also got Jordan Hicks from the Cardinals. And again, he can be erratic, as we all know. But he's averaging 12.7 strikeouts per nine innings. He throws 102 miles an hour. And Jordan Romano... Their closer has a back issue. He's on the injured list. They need somebody else at the back. I really like where the Blue Jays are, but two things have to happen. Alec Manoa has to come back to somewhere. You think co- so? Somewhere <laughs> oh, close God. to his form of last year. I don't,
1: I don't think he has and, to. I think the is deep enough with Ryu coming
3: back. Well, we have to see mm. how Ryu pitches tonight. Yeah. I mean, that's the key. Is he going to be okay after all this time off? I think, I think those two guys are critical if – the Blue Jays are going to do something in October. I think they're making it to October no matter what. But if they're going to – they need to do more than get knocked out in the first round like last year, and I think they need Manoa and Ryu to
1: pitch really well. Rachel, on Friday, Saturday morning, I was hearing from other teams that A.J. Preller, the general manager of the Padres, was calling around and assessing possible value. And Josh Hader and Blake Snell uh, and, uh, and Juan Soto – Uh, in case he wound up having to sell. They also sense he did not want to sell at all. And as we like to say, this is the one time a year when small sample size can make a difference. And they go out and they sweep the Texas Rangers and all of a sudden they're buyers and they get G-Man Choi and, and Rich Hill and they're going for it again. What'd you think?
2: Well, AJ Preller is a sports editor's dream because he just does like wild stuff all the time. He's just like, he is always willing to just Very throw good, it all. Very good, using
1: the word stuff there. I, mean, I don't know I'd, I would have. Hey, been, yeah.
2: guys, I was ready for the microphone because it was not the first word that came to mind, uh, but it is. It, I mean, I, again, we, I mentioned last year and how fun that was for us to cover as a team and, and That was a lot in part due to him just saying, like, let's try this. And I kind of love that he did it again. I mean, they they are good enough. They should be a playoff team. It's sort of like the Yankees where it's just not working. But to your point about like, it's not about the players on the roster. It's not about their stats. These players should be able to figure this out. And I hope they do. Baseball is fun when the Padres are good. They have so many really fun, exciting stars. And if this is enough to get them there, you know, the Rangers sweep was great, and then they lost again yesterday yeah. before they made some moves. Yeah. We'll a- see. A.J.
3: Preller never sleeps. <laughs> the and he fighting wouldn't Prellers. have slept at all if he had to sell in the middle of a pennant race. Now, it's still a long shot that <laughs> yeah, they make the is. playoffs, and maybe the logical thing to do would have been to sell Uh, Josh Hader and Blake Snell both of whom are free agents at the end of the year but when you start the season with those kind of expectations with that kind of payroll and as the sexiest team in baseball you cannot give up at the beginning of August when you still have this kind of talent on the team and if they do somehow make it to the playoffs I think they become the one team that could or the the team most suited to beat the Braves in the playoffs if they make it because that implies they're going to get really hot from here. Their lineup is good. Their rotation is good. And they have
1: an elite closer. Yep. S- so a team that I think had a sneaky good deadline, uh, like the Blue Jays, were the Cleveland Guardians and a team that has a sneaky bad deadline, the Minnesota Twins. Tell me what you make of those two teams. Well, the... Defense for the
3: Guardians got a whole lot better because Josh Bell was not a very good first baseman and Ahmed Rosario was not a very good shortstop. Sorry. Tim's a lot nicer than I am. (laughs) Ahmed Rosario
1: was really bad. Statistically the worst shortstop in
3: baseball. They were built on pitching in defense and putting it in play last year when they made the playoffs and they became a different team this year. So they're trying to fix that on the go. I'm still not sure Aaron Savali, he could have helped the, the Guardians, but they had to do something to get their first baseman of the future so I kind of like what they did after all because Tito Francona cannot deal with a team that doesn't play good defense
1: and the twins I was surprised we didn't see more from them at the deadline
3: yeah and I was surprised that Sonny Gray granted he's a free agent at the end of the season they were considering trading him because their one shot to win the division and do something in October is to outpitch everyone and Sonny Gray has been their best pitcher this year
1: all right, one of the big trades that didn't happen, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, the Dodgers and Tigers, according to Jeff Passan, had a deal arranged, and Eduardo Rodriguez uh, scotched the deal because the Dodgers were one of the teams on his 10-no uh, trade list. Rachel, what do you think of the Dodgers in terms of what they are aiming for and what they wound up getting? Because certainly, you know, they got Ahmed Rosario. They got Kike Hernandez. They made that deal with the White Sox last week, getting Joe Kelly, getting Lance Lynn. They got better... But I don't feel like they separate themselves based on the fact they didn't get that other starting pitcher.
2: Yeah, I was super curious what was going to happen in those last couple of minutes after the E-Rod deal fell apart, if they were going to be one of the teams in on Flaherty or, I mean, again, the one that kept coming up was Dylan Cease. And I'm sure the price tag at that point was really, really high, and it was probably just too high for the Dodgers. But I do think, I think they got better, and I think they've also just started to separate themselves in the NL West regardless, you know, Again, with the Padres struggling and the Diamondbacks falling back a little bit, they might have felt like they didn't need quite as much as they felt like they needed a a month ago. But what they got and what they they were going for are definitely pretty – Pretty far apart.
3: How could Eduardo Rodriguez want to stay with the Tigers (laughs) when he's got a chance to go to the Dodgers? I'm a little confused by that. The Dodgers have been pretty consistent with one thing this year. It seems they keep holding back, holding back, just so they have everything in place to make a run at Shohei Otani in the offseason. So they didn't do a huge amount at the deadline, in part because they have their eyes on one certain player.
1: Yeah, so I hear that Eduardo Rodriguez walked away from this process believing that. That it was the Tigers' fault for not making this happen. Now, I, I, this is what's going to follow is pure speculation. Perhaps the Dodgers, perhaps uh, in order to waive his no trade clause, he wanted some sort of comp- compensation. We've seen that before. Uh, and I'm sure the Dodgers, when that came up, the Dodgers probably told the Tigers, look, that's not our responsibility. That's on you guys. And, and maybe the Tigers' feeling was, <laughs> it's like you, Tim, like, wait. You're going to pass up a chance to go to that team and you know, rather than stay here. Yeah. So we'll see. what uh, Some other teams surprisingly didn't add. The Cincinnati Reds, I thought they would do more for sure. San Francisco Giants really didn't do a lot. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the Red Sox. I know they feel like internally that uh, a lot of their additions going forward are going to be guys coming off the injured list. But I got to believe all those executives in those cities are going to wake up and be hearing uh, not great reviews what do you think? Yeah, I'm surprised the Reds didn't do anything. Now,
3: they're a year ahead of schedule, if not two. They lost 100 games last year. They weren't supposed to be here, but they've got everyone in Cincinnati really jazzed about this team. They have a chance to make the playoffs. They need a starting pitcher. I'm really surprised they didn't go harder for Rodriguez or Jack Flaherty or Michael Lorenzen or somebody else. Um, Again, they have such a great farm system. They have a plan in place. building but uh, Earl Weaver used to tell me all the time when you got a chance to win this year you try to win this year and you figure out next year next year and uh, several teams didn't follow that philosophy for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, the other hand, I'll say is that this that's exactly where the Orioles were last year when they sold. And so right. the fact that the Reds didn't do that, like, you give them some credit for. But I do think this comes back again to just how crowded these races are for these last spots. It feels like so many of the the very top playoff contenders are already set, which means there's, an, an, I think, both leagues. There's five or six teams that feel like, eh, maybe. And if they just really felt like it's too crowded this year, we've got a better shot next year, like, Maybe that's the mindset. All
1: right, Rachel, you get to see Tim's body language when I ask this question. Based on what we saw at the trade deadline, I need you to uh, repick your World Series selections, okay? Knowing what you know now, you get to do your favorite thing, and you get to make a prediction, Tim. Who's winning the World Series and who are they beating? Uh, I can't even remember who I picked at the beginning of the year. I do remember who I picked, and I'm not going to say it. All
3: right, I'm going to say that the Braves are going to play the Astros in the World Series because the Verlander move – advances the Astros to a special place, and I just love where the Braves are right now, the way they hit the ball out of the ballpark like no one else, score runs like no one else. So I'm going to say, great body language, the Braves will beat the Astros in the World Series, and I'm sure I'll change my <laughs> mind tomorrow. Yeah, so you're banking on Kyle Wright coming back. I'm banking on, on Max Fried and Kyle Wright coming back and added people in the bullpen, and they they can pound you like no one else. Rachel?
2: Oh gosh, I hate making predictions. I usually get out of but this because I'm the editor. For you is worse than it was <laughs> know, for Tim. I know, I know. Always, always. you had a moment
1: to prepare. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Editors don't have to make predictions. I always get out of this. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna. I can't disagree with with Tim. I think it's hard to it's hard to bet against the Braves making it again. They're just they're so fun to watch and they're so good. Um, I'll take a wild card on the other AL West contender and I'll go Rangers. Uh, Rangers will face them. Why not?
1: (laughs) Very nice. All right, guys. Thanks for doing this.
2: Thanks, Buster.
1: A lot of fun. Thank you, Buster. Thank you, Taylor. Sarah, thanks for putting
3: everything together up here.
2: Happy deadline day. Yeah,
1: 100%. And thank you for not asking me for my (laughs) World Series.
0: I know. He
2: just went straight to that. (laughs) Oh,
0: my God. Buster picked the Padres in the (laughs) (laughs) preseason.
1: The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action, live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code baseball. That's code baseball. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. That's vividseats.com today, code baseball. Vivid Seats, experience it live. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com Buster. Just go to Indeed.com Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash buster terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed for the record i'm going to give you a list of trades that happened in the last couple of days we hit on the major ones when we were talking with rachel and with tim uh the san diego padres are acquiring right-handed reliever scott barlow from the kansas city royals barlow of course has closing experience so for the uh for the Padres, having a guy help to in their setup group, which has been somewhat of an issue for a lot of this season. The Boston Red Sox are acquiring infielder Luis Arias from the Milwaukee Brewers. That's a really interesting deal because he's a good infielder. He's had some, some good moments. The Red Sox already... Will be getting back Trevor Story for their infield here coming up. The Miami Marlins acquired first baseman Josh Bell uh, from the Cleveland Guardians for infielder Gene Segura, infield prospect Khalil Watson. The Yankees, that one move that they made, acquired right handed reliever Kenyon Middleton from the Chicago White Sox. With that deal, the Yankees became the 30th of 30 teams to make a deal an unusual trade deadline for Brian Cashman, the Yankees general manager. The Orioles, of course, got Jack Flaherty from the St. Louis Cardinals. The Diamondbacks made some moves. They acquired outfielder Tommy Pham from the Mets. The Rangers acquired catcher, catcher Austin Hedges from the Pirates. He's excellent defensively. You can bet that's someone that Max Scherzer is going to want to throw to. The White Sox actually were buying... After selling off so many pitchers, Luis Patino uh, added from the Tampa Bay Rays for cash considerations. Tampa Bay needing some 40-man roster space after making these deals. The Brewers acquired left-handed reliever Andrew Chafin in a deal with the Diamondbacks. The Phillies, as we talked about, added starting pitcher Michael Lorenzen from the Tigers. The Padres, we made reference this deal, Rich Hill, G-Man Choi in a deal with the Pirates. Paul DeYoung, uh, was added by the Blue Jays from the St. Louis Cardinals. The Rockies and the Braves worked out a deal where the Braves got Brad Hand, veteran left-hander. Uh, on s- Monday, the Cincinnati Reds acquired left-hander, uh, left-hander reliever Sam Moll from the Oakland Athletics for right-hander Joe Boyle. The one deal, and, and uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about this with Sarah Lines coming up when we uh, discuss the San Francisco Giants not doing much. They did finalize a trade to acquire outfielder A.J. Pollock and utility man Mark Mathias from the Seattle Mariners. The Cubs on Monday acquired third baseman Jamer Candelario from the Washington Nationals. Mark Canna goes from the Mets to the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers sent back right-hander Justin Jarvis. Uh, a a, uh, pitcher who's in double-A right now. The Diamondbacks added closer Paul Seawall from the Seattle Mariners. In the end, who knows, maybe the Diamondbacks' deals will have the biggest impact. We reference the fact that the Angels landed outfielder Randall Gritchick, first baseman C.J. Crone from the Colorado Rockies. And a couple days ago, the Braves acquired infielder Nicky Lopez from the Kansas City Royals on Sunday in exchange for left-hander Taylor Hearn who the Braves just acquired in the last week. So, as my son pointed out, uh, Taylor Heard now becomes a great grid name uh, in that going forward because he spent just a week with Atlanta. Zero, zero,
0: nine, six. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs.
1: Sarah Langs, reporter, producer from MLB.com. Sarah, how you doing?
4: I'm doing great, Buster. I love, I mean... We've talked about trade deadline, we've also talked about my uh, tendency not to be the morning uh, bird or whatever it is, getting up early. And I remember back when I was at ESPN, do- researching those trade deadline shows, like the one you just did. That was the one day you're at be on campus, at so like 8 a.m., so... Today didn't have to be on campus anywhere, but certainly up and out. I'm watching everything on
1: So in the end, this is going to be like a 20-hour day for you, right? <laughs> and then you're going to sleep in on uh, on Wednesday.
4: Well, we'll see. Wednesday is the day games, so both they will be fine. Now, okay. nobody worry. All
1: right. So <laughs> we we just got done talking with Rachel and Tim, and we talked about you know the teams that did well, teams that didn't do well. Tell me from your eyes, the team that you give rave reviews their deadline work.
4: I mean, I love the Astros getting Justin Berlander back. I think that is exactly what this team needed getting Max not just to prove a nice, but a guy they know, a guy who has basically been on their team for the last handful of years, minus a few months as it'll end up being, I think with the way their rotation has gone this year, you know, entering the year, we were raving about their homegrown rotation, everything else, and with injuries and we way got to pitch, it was clear that maybe they weren't ready to let him go. So being able to go back and get him, I think, is huge. I also love what the Rangers said. I mean, it's amazing we have these Texas ball clubs going out. And getting the Thai Young winners, I really like them.
1: And the Angels being aggressive, too. I don't know. Yeah. If, I mean, a lot of people disagree whether that was, was the right decision to, to trade Ota- or not trade Otani and to, to spend from minor league prospect resources. But the bottom line is, is that the American League West is going to be improved after all these deals. So when I talked to Tim before, you know, I asked him about sneaky good uh, deadline moves. I think the Milwaukee Brewers would fall into that category. Like They were not going to be the team to go out and make a deal for Verlander. They weren't going to be a team that was going to necessarily add a superstar player, but it feels like that they got better.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think they made incremental improvements and they got players who are better than what they have right now in whatever respect. So even if it isn't a Verlander, a Julito, and what have you, there's still ways to get better, even with one or two players, I think. What they did was certainly very good. I like Mark Cannon for that team. I think he will make a lot of sense there. I just think overall, they did a really good job there, for sure.
1: Maybe the Cubs doing what they did, put pressure on yeah. the Brewers to make some moves. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds will talk about it in a moment, uh, not doing anything, but before we get to that, let's play the numbers
0: game.: Number three.: Number three is
4: 13. So one team that made some moves, maybe ones we might not have expected or we weren't sure how the day would go, is the San Diego Padres. One of the players they got is Rich Hill, who is now going to be playing for a 13th different MLB team. That will tie Octavio Dotel for the second most in Major League history, behind only Edwin Jackson's 14. And I'm staying here thinking about the 43-year-old, i and thinking, I really hope he's back next year to play for another team and tie Edwin Jackson.
1: Yeah, along those lines, uh, you know, as you were talking, I thought, you know, Rich Hill probably has great trade deadline stories. He's probably got great stories all the time about just about anything, and mm-hmm. I'm going to see him this weekend. we got the Padres. we got the Dodgers on Sunday Night Baseball. I think I'll try to tape an interview with him, Taylor. Oh, that sounds delightful.
0: Number two.
4: Number two is 10. So we mentioned the Rangers before, and, of course, they are very aggressive at the deadline, you. Two days ago, I was here tweeting in all captures the Rangers just seeing everything that they were doing. And I know we're going to talk about Max Scherzer and all of those moves, but I like the acquisition of Austin Hedges, and I love this for Bruce Bochy, obviously a former catcher-manager, because Austin Hedges is a pure catcher-defense acquisition, and I love seeing that from a team. With a GM, who's a pitcher in Chris Young, and a manager, who's a catcher in Bush. So Austin just this 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 for catcher-framing runs. He has the most in all baseball this year. Schoenheim, who's of course on the injured list right now, has seven. He's tied for third on that list. So I just like the approach of, okay, wall he's out. And in the back of roles, let's go for Uber Defense
0: number one
4: number one is one so mike lorenzen as far as i think was the only all-star this year who ended up being trained at the deadline that is that one is the fewest number of all to change teams in the season since 2013 so it's a very interesting way to assess the impact of the new postseason format, and everything else on the deadline. We saw some really good players move. so some of it is just kind of circumstance about this season they're having right now. Lucas Chilito is, of course, a all-star caliber pitcher who just wasn't one this year, same with Scherzer and Berlin. But for Lorenzen to be the only one is certainly an interesting way to look at the deadline overall. And again, I mean, you remember, we are two years removed. I know it was a different postseason format, but in 2021, we had 10 All-Stars moved at the deadline, which was the most in any deadline ever, in any year ever. So it's a very interesting change since then.
1: All right, because you're such a nice person, I love to give you questions <laughs> that make you cringe. okay so here's my question for you i'm going to give you five fan bases that i'm assuming are probably not happy coming out of the deadline are you ready the new york mets fan base the new york yankees fan base the boston red sox fan base after the red sox really didn't add that much uh, have very much of a different fan base than last year uh the fan base of the cincinnati reds who are playing so well we thought that they might add a starting pitcher they didn't do that uh, and then the fan base uh, of the San Francisco Giants. So imagine the talk radio that we're going to see in those five or four markets tomorrow for five teams, the two New York teams. Which fan base is going to be the most unhappy? I want you to rank them one through five, and we'll start with number five and work our way up to number one, okay? Because it's all, you love numbers. And here's a set of numbers for you to do, okay? And let's let for the record, your mom is a Giants fan, so she I certainly has conveyed. So let's let's start out with number five, the fifth most unhappiest fan base as reflected in talk radio on Wednesday.
4: All right. So again, as you alluded to, my mom a Giants fans, my dad and my best friend, Hey Juan, both Mets fans. So I'm already getting. Kind of a glimpse of how some of these might go. But I think if you're going talk radio, I mean, I'm going to. I'm a New Yorker, so I always think of New York talk radio as being sort of the sort of it all with sports talk radio. So I'm going to save those two teams for, I guess, the tops. I know Red <laughs> fans are going to be frustrating i understand that but this is a great young team i think while not making a move right now has an impact on how it looks maybe in october of this year this team is in a great spot and it doesn't preclude doing something in the offseason and i also think that division is just so tumultuous with the real three teams that are all kind of right around 500 or so a bit above with the Brewers and the Cubs. And of course, the Reds that I understand not going all in with a uh, Justin Burland or Max Scherzer or whoever you might have tried to get there. Where uh, are my other teams here? The Reds off. So I'll stick with them as well because again, we're talking about division. I think, I mean, it is so unfair the way the fan bases are going to react to the Red Sox and the Yankees when these teams are in the best division we have ever seen. This is going to be the first division in baseball history to have all five teams finish above 500. So I cannot imagine being in that front office and thinking, here we are, we we'll have be leading the AL Central instead of in last place. We're in fourth place. And I don't blame teams like that for not trying to, not trying to make sort of those incremental upgrades. Cause the truth is, we're praising what the Brewers did earlier. The Yankees and Red Sox made those kind of moves. So they're still not competing with yours with the Blue Jays and with the Rays. I don't think, I think they would have made bigger moves and you can't expect that at this point when every team is that good. So, how many teams have I covered? Who you you I covered five,
1: left? but you haven't five. ranked them number five. It sounds like you're going to put know. the Reds fans at number five.
4: I think so. I think so. Okay. Just because I really think, I mean, I'm kind of projecting. I think they should see themselves at number five. I think number one is going to be the way the Yankees are talked about. I know going the other one now. But because we know how the coverage around them always is, again, I'm not saying I necessarily agree with that sentiment because I do think this is the toughest division we've seen. I'm going to put the message number two there because it's New York. But I think they did very well. And everyone who I speak with, who, you know, colleagues of mine who are smarter about numbers than I am all of that. They all seem to think that the mess is really well especially in that or trade. But I also know it's difficult to be a fan and it's difficult to see the value of prospects when you had Hall of Famers a couple of days ago. So I'm going to put them two because it's New York. We know how New York can be. We'll put Boston three because Boston is probably second to New York if not for maybe Philly, in terms of how that talk radio goes. And that puts it in four support, but my mother is not thrilled that I told her to be patient. We will see. We'll see what happens. I want AJ Pollock to make his way across the entire <laughs> NL West. He only needs the Padres at this point. So that's my ranking. But again, I don't think... I can see a very good explanation for why each of these teams did what they did uh, based on the situation that they're in. All
1: right, Sarah. Well, sorry to put you through that wrenching uh, series of questions. Sorry, not sorry. Thanks for doing this.
4: Thanks so much for having me, Lester. You can now
1: stream the most MLB games on Direct TV without a satellite dish. Yes. call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Fox Honor. Moxie and pyrantal chewable tablets. Nexgard Plus Chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew, designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Bleacher Tweets.
0: Already, Buster, Bleacher Tweets for a Wait, Tuesday. Wait, how come you're wearing a Yankees cap? <laughs> <sighs> well, Buster, here's the thing. Lost oh, you're paying off your bet. The, yeah, yeah. Lost the uh, the stitch bet uh, that Todd Radom threw out at us when we uh, did the show on Sunday. Sarah forgot the hat, so I was gonna like put it on in front of the Cal Ripken statue, which probably would have been more effective. Oh but, man! But here we are. I some- don't think you would have made it out alive at that point. <sighs> yeah, it would have been. It would have been. I, at least I wasn't wearing like an Oriole shirt. I, although I did see some, some combo fans. I never understand that. Really? Yeah, that's a weird one. What thing. combos did you see? I saw like a like a like an Orioles hat and a Yankee shirt or or vice versa. Okay, that's, that's weird. weird. It's weird. I don't like it.
2: Always fascinated by the couples too, who have like a split. Yeah, that you kinda yeah. get.
0: That makes sense. You know, it's a track,
2: that
1: whole thing. But for one person to wear uh, like stuff from both teams, right. that one's kind of weird. You as a lifelong Phillies fan, yeah. have you worn Mets gear uh, with the Phillies gear?
2: No, but I have a lovely Yankees hat that I have worn with okay. a Phillies well, sweatshirt. Okay, you can live with that
0: because they're not like so, arch rivals or anything. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say, and this is Sarah's grandfather's hat.
2: It is. So it is.
0: it's a little old. So yeah. physically, you know, it's not retro. in the best shape. I'm not thrilled about it being on my head for that reason, but then also, you know, all the other reasons attached to it. So it's, it's
2: vintage. Some yeah. may say.
0: Well, is, that's pretty cool. This is painful, he was a big though. Yankee fan.
2: I don't know if he was actually a big Yankee fan. Okay. I just, yeah,
1: Yankee okay. Sad. Well, that that's that's cool. That, uh, but it is. Uh, it, I mean, I notice you're trying to like speed us through the bleacher tweets because you want to get the Yankee cap off, Taylor. Mm-hmm.
0: Especially, it's it's a joyous occasion because the Orioles acquired another starting pitcher. Can you sell me on Jack Flaherty here? Yes, Um, he
1: definitely was pitching better down the stretch. He's definitely someone, given his experience, pitching in the postseason who you would feel comfortable giving the ball to in game one or game two. I think that them not doing anything at the deadline would have been unconscionable Mm -hmm. given how good they are. And so when I read Kyle Gibson's quote after the game last night where he was kind of like, yeah, if we don't get somebody, we'll be okay," I was like, oh, no, 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 they need somebody. You could feel that team was on fumes. And I know there are people in that clubhouse who absolutely were like,
0: yeah, we could use some help here. And I know a lot of fans trying to talk themselves into John means and talking to people you in the never orga- know talking to people in the organization <laughs> this weekend. No one really sounded too high on that. You know, maybe he could be effective in October. That would be after like a September of you know trying to get his groove back, but he's, who knows? And that's
1: a significant injury he's coming back from. He's right? been
0: gone for like two years, essentially. Right, exactly.
1: Yeah. There's no guarantee on yeah. that. I mean, I, that's the kind of the way that I feel about Kyle Wright in the Braves. Mm-hmm. You know, my son is like, well, we're going to get Wright back. We're going to get Max Fried back. I'm like, look, Kyle Wright, shoulder injury. You just
0: never know how a comeback's going to go. Mm-hmm. So, please, the Orioles uh, added to the team this trade deadline. I was sharpening my pitchfork on the way in here. Don't worry, I was driving and, and refreshing Twitter, which was extremely dangerous. But uh, yeah, I was ready to be uh, to come in here pissed, and I'm pleasantly surprised. So let's do some tweets here. Some people working through some things. We got Brian Stone King. He's writing in, how much did the Mets pay Verlander prior to the trade? Add $54 million to that. That's what they spent for four months of league average pitching. I don't care how much money they have. That's just bad business. It's so Mets. Uh, That's an
1: interesting point. So I'll add it up. It's $54 million that they're sending to the Astros to pay offset his salary going forward, so $82 million for basically three months because he spent the first month on the injured list. $82 $82 million for three months, but in fairness to the Mets, they are getting these prospects back, uh-huh. uh, and they're getting – so you're, you're basically buying prospects. That's yeah. what they did in these two deals. And as I said to, to Tim and Rachel, I, I think their choice, given where they were – was a reasonable path. I think the ins- the insane choice would have been like, you know what, run it back. We were just unlucky this year. Mm-hmm. Let's put the same team out there in 2024
0: with those two guys a year older. I think that would have been crazy. That's a good call on the on the prospect too, because I think they got the Astros' number one prospect, and right. I know that. Like with the Orioles, it was like basically everyone except for Jackson Holiday was was available. So I mean, if that's what they're looking for, they got it. I-, I also have to ask you about the Mets. Billy Epler the other day said. We're not this is not a fire sale. Do you think Billy Epler knows what a fire sale means? Yes,
1: he does. (laughs) He grew up in San Diego, huge Padres fan. He lived through the fire sale of nineteen ninety-three. Uh-huh. The fire sale with the Padres back then, and that was sort of the that that phrase was coined then. They traded Fred McGriff and Gary Sheffield and Bruce Hurst and and Greg Harris. They traded basically all their best guys, Darren Jackson, except for Tony Gwynn and Andy Bennis. That's it.
0: (laughs) Right? Tony Gwynn was happy about that. Well,
1: (laughs) we'll save that for another day. Uh, But I can tell you this. I mean, the Mets coming out of this, I agree with you. I mean, it's aggressive to trade two guys who are, you know, first ballot, should be unanimous selections for the Hall of Fame. But next year's team, you do have still Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil, Starling Marte, uh, Francisco Alvarez, all these young prospects, yeah, the, Edwin Diaz coming mm-hmm. back at closer. So the idea that they're not going to be competitive next year, I'm not buying it. Would I pick them to win the division? Absolutely not. But I can't. I do think that Billy can
0: say with a straight face, it's not a fire sale. Because okay. a fire sale is moving everybody. I know you didn't listen to the Open, but I mocked him in the Open for that the other day. So I'm <laughs> glad we could clear that up. Um, just that Taylor Schwenk not buster only doing that Corey Rukert writes in the Reds do nothing at the deadline why am I not surprised yeah
1: it uh it's, it's interesting well and I I know that they they felt that the asking prices were really high um but maybe it's like Sarah said that uh, the team it's a good young team and you hope that they continue that momentum going forward
0: all right, let's get to the the Yankees section. You know, the Reds are a little bit yep. like the Orioles were last year, yes. right? Yes. Oh yeah, exactly. Right,
1: where they arrived probably sooner than they expected mm-hmm. and so they decided to hold back. Now they they did. They did have a fringe at least one fringy move. Yes, that. they did.
0: We can we can dig it out here, but yeah. I, I just thought it was interesting too because the Braves, they made a bunch of moves. You know, Marcana, you know, some some guys in the bullpen, so I mean that that race is tight. Yep. Uh As I said, Yankees portion of the Bleacher tweets here. A lot of people working through a lot of things. Uh, Slate writes in, with the outfield troubles and the injury to judge, why haven't the Yankees given Jason Dominguez a call-up yet? Also, are Bleacher tweets now Bleacher Xs? I don't (laughs) think so. So uh,
1: Jason Dominguez, from what I understand, has not dominated in the minor leagues so far. Like Mm -hmm. normally teams will not promote guys until they absolutely dominate. I can't remember exactly what level is. I want to say it's high A. So he's a ways away. Okay. Um, you got a lot and, of hype and, and on top training. of that, right? And I don't think he's on the forty-man roster either, which is another complication. Um, you know, I, I do think going forward that they probably, you know, like uh, everyone, all Yankee fans want to see Florial in the outfield at some point. Just play the young guys. Oh yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just move forward with the young guys to some degree, because they, as I mentioned in the, it, it does feel like the front office is like, look, we've got a lot of players that we bought in here. Anthony Rizzo and D.J. LeMahieu, we need them to play better. And if they don't,
0: we're not going to make the playoffs anyway. Uh, Andrew Campbell at Real Cam Drew. This is a long one here. Buster, it's not just that the Yankees are bad. It's all of the weird, head-scratching moves happening all year. Sitting judge in a big game in Baltimore. The silliness with Domingo Yeah, that, that makes no
1: sense to me to to this day. I, I And nothing anybody will say to me. Uh, and I'm going to talk to more people about the, the rest of the week. Will
0: that, will that ever make sense to me that they did that on Sunday? I uh, As I got off the road from Baltimore and arrived in uh, New York, the first thing my father-in-law said to me, he's like he was asking me why Judge didn't play in his very thick New York accent. He said, that's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was amusing. So we get the Domingo Herman silliness, running Josh Donaldson at third base instead of Peraza. It's almost like the Yankees care more about feelings and perceptions instead of actually trying to win every night. What has happened to this team?
1: Yeah, Look, I, I'm not going to push back on the idea of a lot of silliness. I'm going to uh, tell a Domingo Hermann story that I found out today about, uh, which will underscore that. So, as, as you know, Drew, uh, before the start, his scheduled start on Monday, uh, he was taken off that start, and we heard that he had some discomfort in near his right armpit. That's what we heard. And then as the game played out on Monday, suddenly he was warming up in the bullpen and he came in a relief. It's an unusual series of events. Well, what happened, based on what I was told was, is that he had an infected hair follicle, okay? <laughs> Essentially an ingrown hair. And you're like, wait. So they had examinations and all that stuff for an infected hair follicle? And I don't know if you watched the, the trade deadline show But Eduardo Perez was with me, and he just started laughing out loud, in part because when we were in commercial break, he was like, wait a second, we were just in Baltimore the other day. We had Cal Ripken playing in every game, 2,632 straight games. And this is where Eduardo completely lost it in the commercial break. Can you imagine Cal sitting out with an infected hair follicle (laughs) the way that the Yankees did with that
0: start last night? Oh, my gosh. Slap some cream on it. It'll be fine. Uh, last one from the Yankees bunch. Gregory Gosnell writes and do you think the Yankees would be a team that could benefit from a change in leadership? Think Phillies from last year.
1: Yeah, I look, uh, everyone always asks that. Here's the bottom line. Brian Cashman's in year one of a four-year deal. He's not going anywhere. With managers, as you guys know, a lot of times, they're the ones who pay the price, you know, because mm-hmm. you can't get rid of all the players. And I don't know uh, what the Yankees would do with Aaron Boone if they don't make the playoffs. Uh, I know that Brian Cashman has a lot of respect for him. He thinks he's a terrific manager. I know that Hal really likes him too. They generally speaking will follow their instincts, but they also have to listen to their fan base to some degree. Right? I
0: mean, do you think Brian Cashman's job is in jeopardy? No, I no? just mentioned he's oh, a year yeah. one. You know, have oh, a four-year yeah. deal. Sorry, I was looking ahead to the next. Please, that's video. okay.
1: Perfect. No problem. I've I've done that too. Professional over <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, I had a game in uh, Chicago once. It went eighteen innings. I was so cold. And I entered, did the post game interview afterward, and it wasn't until after I finished that I realized I asked the same
0: question twice. Mm. So I, I beat anything you just did right there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, our guy, Matt at Kayaking Smith, writes, and the, the Angels are robbing us of a potential MVP versus MVP matchup in this series with Atlanta. Could Otani versus Acuna have been more exciting than Trout versus Otani in the WBC? Um, Would have been fun. yeah, it would have been fun. It would not have been as exciting. No, No. because the Trout versus uh, Otani was for the championship and it was in the last inning. All right. Let's uh, let's wrap it up with this. PK Steinberg accusing me of being more of a degenerate than I actually am. He said Sunday night's podcast was great. How difficult was it to presumably not drink? PK, how dare you infer that I would drink on the job like that? It's disgusting. (laughs) Wait. So, when we went to dinner Saturday night and then I left
1: to go theoretically do sports center, didn't actually happen uh when I left, from what I understand, the drinking went on after I left, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but that wasn't on Sunday. we were well, was that no. at work? No no no, no that was a that was a dinner amongst friends okay, that's what I think anyway <laughs> okay I mean wow. you you left to go to work yeah, so.
1: yeah. I, I just cool. didn't know how you were you know where it was going to land on the expenses and you know, all of that. <laughs>
2: Off the clock. Off the clock. Off the clock.
0: Yeah, no big deal. (laughs) Off the clock before Sarah's uh bedtime alarm went off. Yep. Um and I have to say, Buster, you you know, you referenced your daughter missing a flight to Japan, you know, her having to figure it out, I missed my flight to Baltimore. (laughs) I paid dearly for it yesterday because about a four and a half hour drive from Baltimore to Central Long Island took six hours yesterday, uh and it was just absolutely brutal. So I've learned my lesson, that is for certain. You will never miss another flight in your whole life. Not like that anyway. I mean like you know, other circumstances, but literally just like walking into the airport when the plane is leaving. I will not do that. No. Very nice. All right. All right. Uh,
2: what one question for you? uh What, like, how did that happen?
0: I don't know. I told you I had like a lobotomy overnight. I, I set my alarm for the wrong time. I like, I did everything an hour late. So I just, you know, I'm a little bit numbers dyslexic. So maybe that played a part. I don't really know. But (laughs) I have no, I have no excuses. I have no explanation. you paid the price. Yo, I paid that price. Ten plus hours in a car. Uh, versus, you know, less than two on the plane. It's been a bad forty-eight hours
1: for yeah. you. You Miss the plane. You pay that price. You're wearing a Yankees cap. But but the Orioles got Jack Flaherty,
0: and I'm sitting here with you again, twice in uh, you know Very a couple nice. times over the last few days. So I'm going to miss you when you uh, when you leave here. But you're going to go crash. You're going to go relax. Yeah, you, you won't
1: miss me tomorrow or the next day because you guys are, are t- as tired as I am at this point, point. and yes. I'm sure uh, you'll uh, you're excited to get a couple days off before we reconvene on Friday.
0: Yep, we'll talk to everyone then. Send in those bleacher tweets. As you're watching games. All right. Uh, my thanks today to Bruce Baldwin, who's here in the room with us
1: uh, off microphone. Nice. Uh, a Mets fan keeping his smile going forward because he's believing in these prospects. And Taylor and Sarah and Sarah and Rachel and Tim. I think I covered everybody. You got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rachel, uh, a
0: great addition to the podcast. I also have to mention that.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. she's, t- she's terrific. She's as good at editors as I've ever had. And you know, when you're as old as me, you've had a lot of editors. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality is something we have to fight against every single day.